0: You are listening to a Bible-based message from River Rock Church in Belle Plain, Minnesota. We invite you to join us Sundays at 10 a.m. at 330 South Market Street. We also encourage you to visit riverrockchurch.com for more information and resources. Now here is today's encouraging message from Pastor Chris Tyen.
1: So the kids went to Children's Church. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that you've given us the breath of life today, that you've given us this time today. We pray that you would help us to evaluate where we're at where you want us to be, to get beyond the past and to move forward uh, purposefully into the future, making a difference in life. So we pray that you would bless this time, that your Holy Spirit would speak through me, that we would walk out of here encouraged and motivated and built up. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so millennials, as you know, are those people that were born in 1980 or sometime mid 19. 90s, and so they're always in the news because they're the up-and-coming generation that is coming to your workplace, going to be the leaders in your city and schools. So people care about millennials and what they think and what they're into. Interestingly enough, they are really big into perfection to the point that it's almost unhealthy for them. A USA Today article from January of this year Millennials strive for perfectionism more than past generations, reports the American Psychological Association has published new research about the rise of perfectionism in young people. Compared to prior generations, today's college students are harder on themselves, more demanding of others, and report higher levels of social pressure to be perfect. The study examined 40,000 college students, took these surveys between 1989 and 2016, The more recent students scored higher in all three forms of perfectionism. Between 1989 and 2016, the scores for socially prescribed perfectionism or perceiving the excessive expectations of others increased by 33%. Other-oriented expectations, putting unrealistic expectations on others, went up 16%. And self-oriented perfectionism, our irrational desire to be perfect, increased by 10%. One of the local researchers concluded today's young people are competing with each other in order to meet societal pressures to succeed, and they feel that perfectionism is necessary in order to feel safe, socially connected, and of worth. Unfortunately, perfectionism can lead to anxiety, clinical depression, anorexia, and other health issues. So here we have people that are trying to be perfect, look perfect, act perfect, have perfect grades, do everything perfect in a world that everything can be instantly put on a screen and shared with others, and it is not good for them. It is not healthy for them. And sometimes we feel that there's no reason to continue to try to serve Christ because we are not good enough. We feel that there's no reason for us to try to share our faith because we know the people around us know that we're not perfect. So we have this idea that Christians are perfect, therefore we should be perfect, and if we weren't perfect in the past, that we're disqualified, and we throw our hands up in the air, and we say, well, the world needs Jesus, and God's going to have to send somebody else to do it, because I'm not good enough, but you are good enough. I uh, have this message time to restart, and on the screen is a picture of an old pixelated video game, and you can tell it is not going well. The little guy is about to fall to his death. And if you ever played the old video games, uh, as you start playing some of the video games, I hear from some of the, one of the students today don't have restart buttons anymore. But if you are playing and things aren't going your way, instead of watching yourself die and hearing that terrible music or whatever else, you can just hit the reset, restart button and start again and be on your way. And sometimes we need to do that in the Christian life. Sometimes we need to restart. Sometimes we need to look at where we're at and say, this isn't going so well. I need to make a change. I need to, I need to restart. How many of you are going through the Bible reading plan somehow? You started in January and you're, you're plugging through with your... Anybody doing the Bible reading plan? Okay. So if you use the Bible.com or version Bible reading plan... It allows you to actually push a catch-up button, which will slide the dates forward in case you've fallen behind. I compared the number of days there's been in the year to number the day I'm on, and so I appear to be 12 days behind. Though usually I read ahead, I'm struggling right now because uh, in my devotions I got to hear excessively of what to do with mold and mildew and bodily discharge and all of these inappropriate relationships and things from. Leviticus, that I just wasn't feeling it. I didn't walk away and go, praise God, I feel so much better. Is that a white discharge you've got going there? You need to see the priest. I don't think you should be in the camp. So there's a New Testament portion too, but it's short. My plan is one of these days I'm just going to plow through Leviticus. I'm going to plow through First and Second Chronicles and Numbers, and I'm just going to go on like a really long walk and a really long listen so I can get back to the good stuff. Stuff is in there for a reason. I'm not going to restart my Bible plan. I thought about restarting it and doing something that was a little better, a little more <laughs> meeting my felt needs, but I can read in addition to what's on that schedule. So I'm going to keep, I'm not going to restart that one, but I'm going to keep pushing through. So uh, I always come up with this great idea to, to get fit and lose weight and exercise and everything like that, and I, I do exercise, but it makes me hungry, so I go home and eat, and then I feel bad, so I go exercise some more, and then it makes me tired, but I eat, So I don't know how to restart that one. I just restart every day and say, you got to do better than yesterday. Oh, look, they made cookies, homemade cookies. Oh, look, somebody brought home pizza. I guess I should eat some. I'd be unsociable if I didn't. So I could restart that maybe every day. But you think about your life and you think about where you're at, where you're supposed to be at, the things that consume your time and your resources. And you have to ask yourself, do you need to reset, restart, get rid of some things? Make some new priorities. Change some things up. There's some things that you can change, like you can change your car. Your car's not working out for you. You can go get a different one. Uh, If your marriage isn't working out for you, it's pretty hard. You don't dump your family and say, I don't like that family. I'm going to go get a new one. It doesn't work that way. Uh, Your job, you probably aren't going to be able to restart or redo your job tomorrow, but you can take training and you can prepare for whatever it is that God has for you in your future by taking classes and training and things like that. So it's interesting, at this stage of my life in ministry, I've been in ministry for like 20-some years, that some of my friends have continued on in education, and I'm starting to be surrounded by doctors. Not doctors that can write a prescription from the weird rash I have, no, doctors of theology. Now, they don't run around and want to be called doctor, but some of them are just pushing on with education. Some days I wonder, you know, wouldn't it be great to have some more degrees? But on the other hand, I don't have a student loan to pay for. So I'm constantly learning, but I have to figure out, okay, what is it that God wants me to do with the rest of my life? So maybe I have 20 years or 30 years or I can't imagine I have 50 years left of life, but time is limited, like your resources are limited. So you got to figure out what it is that you're doing in life, what it is that you should be doing in life, what it is in the particular phase or stage of life. Like I watched a, a lady yesterday at the Alliance District prayer gathering, so all the churches gathered, or people from the churches gathered in in, uh, Apple Valley for prayer time yesterday for two hours, and I watched this lady with this um, this new mom with this, I don't know what she was, you know, year old child or so, and the little girl was like everywhere, and I thought to myself, I remember those days, and I know it's just a stage, it doesn't even seem to last, when you look back, it doesn't even seem to last that long. It's just a stage. So the most important thing for that mom to be right now is focused on that little bundle of energy that seems to be tearing all over the place and trying to escape and pull things down and stuff. That's the most important thing. There'll be another time in her life that she can you know, focus on other things, but time. So if you look in the Bible in Philippians chapter three, I'll be using the New Living Translation today. It's interesting how many churches are jumping on to using the New Living Translation. There's all these different Bible translations out there. But uh, this translation takes thought for thought instead of exact word for exact word. And uh, one, of the, one of the big thoughts or questions is, uh, are you trying to reach lost people around you or do you just want to continue to convey Bible knowledge? And we want to reach lost people around us. So the English Standard Version, now the Christian Standard Bible, the NIV, the New American Standard Bible, they're all good Bibles and I use them all, but I compared them in a you put all the different Bible translations on the screen. This one just jumped out and said what it means. So Paul is writing in chapter 3, and he's talking about false teachers, and then he's talking about how he's trying to reach perfection, and then he kind of lists all the things. In verse 5 of chapter 3, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I'm, pure, I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew, if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. Then he says, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. And so he's talking about perfection. He's saying, you know, if you look at my resume, if you look at all the things that I did, I was up there. I was a professional contender. But it's all worthless compared to Christ and the love of Christ and the grace in Christ and the salvation in Christ. Um, If you were to look in verse 9, I became righteous through faith in Christ, for God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead, and I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. He's writing all these things. And then in verse 12, we're getting real close to the key passage here, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things, that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. Did anybody think when they came into a relationship with Jesus Christ that they were going to be perfect? Did anybody say, okay, well, I believe in Jesus now, my sins are forgiven, and now my life should be perfect. I'm going to be sinless going to have it all together. I'm going to do everything God wants me to do. If you thought that in the beginning, it probably didn't work out very well for you. You probably came to the conclusion that it's like, wow, i have a mess. And it seems like in the Christian life, it's not about being perfect. It's more about progressing in the Christian life. If you're growing in the Christian life, I would guess that you are farther along than you were last year or hopefully even last month, that you're growing and continuing to move forward. So I think it was Socrates' who said, the more I learn, the less I know. And I believe that's true, especially for Bible and theology stuff. The more I learn, the less I know. There are so many things to learn and to know and to be thinking of and praying through and doing. It's impossible. But we receive power through the Holy Spirit for progress. We will be perfect someday when Jesus Christ returns. We'll have glorified bodies. Everything will be together. He'll complete the salvation He began in us. But is it time to restart? So verse 13. "Dear brother, no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing: forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. So is it time to restart? Number one, your progress. So Paul writes, "I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. So. He hasn't achieved the perfect Christian life. He is not, he realizes that he's not perfect. As a matter of fact, he feels really bad about the stuff he did in the past, the persecuting the church. Uh, you look at your progress and you think about, okay, what have you done? What have you accomplished? Maybe you've gone through Bible training or got Bible certificates. So I graduated from two Bible colleges. I graduated with honors. I got licensed in the Christian Missionary Alliance. I got ordained in the Christian Missionary Alliance. So I have... You know, all these things to fall back on, and you'd think that I would say, so I know enough, but I actually feel inadequate. I feel like I don't know enough. I would love to go continue to learn more. I always am learning more. Actually, I listen to a ton of audiobooks and read a ton of stuff, and I'm constantly growing. I just wish that I wouldn't forget what I learned. It's, I don't know if it's when you sleep or what, but it seems like the knowledge kind of, I don't know if it falls out of your ear, or if it evaporates on a hot day, or if it's just the busyness of life. But it's tough to say that I'm a self-satisfied Christian. I mean, Paul could have said, you know, I did all this stuff. I've got it all together. I'm perfect. What's wrong with you? So, your progress. Sometimes you can look around and say, okay, I'm farther ahead than you are. And other times you look around and you go, whoa, wait, (laughs) they're way farther ahead than I am. And I must be defective. I must not be good enough because these people are way far ahead than I am. So I listen to my sermons, we actually edit them just a little bit sometimes, not a whole lot, but before we put them online, and some days I wonder why we even put them online, because I listen to myself and I think to myself, I'm not that good. But um, I was listening to someone else, another Alliance Church sermon, and I listened to it and it was textbook perfect. He had the perfect introduction, he had the perfect opening, he had the perfect point, And 10 minutes into it, I thought to myself, I am so bored. I feel like I'm listening to a Bible commentary. Um, But God can take what you do and use it for His glory. Sometimes those sermons that pastors think are so lame are the ones that God uses the most. Sometimes those discussions that you have with people where you're not really sharing this great depth of Bible knowledge, but you happen to read something in your devotions and you remembered it long enough to share with the person and the person is eating it all up and the Holy Spirit's using it and you're helping that person discover or or grow in their relationship with Christ, not because of your perfect progress, but because you're stepping up to the plate and you're willing to be used by God and you want to do what you can to make a difference, so you show up and the Holy Spirit helps you, so your progress is probably not all that you hoped it would be. Your Bible reading, your Bible memorization, the way that you pray for other people, the way that you share your faith, and all the things that you do, you probably have in your mind all these things that you want to do, but then after the week is spent and you've done all the things that you have to do and the work things and all the things that consume your life, you probably walk away and you think to yourself, not good enough, not good Good enough. And you look back on your life and you think to yourself, you know, where has the time gone? What has happened to the time? Maybe that's even the case with your New Year's resolution, if you made any. So, statistically, if you made a New Year's resolution, you probably have forgotten it already, aren't tracking along with it. And I want to show you a video clip where uh, people look back on their life. Think about that. Look back on your life. Think about what it is that you want to change what you want to be different and what you're going to do about it.
2: No. Wow, where did you get this?
0: That's not that.
2: Wow. Which one of you guys
0: did this? This was my journal in high school. Seriously, have y'all been reading
2: this? This is my childhood diary.
0: These are my New Year's resolutions from last year. It's my my resolution list from 1992. (laughs) I was a weird kid. (laughs) Figure out what global warming is and do something about it.
2: Break the world record in juggling.
0: <laughs> Start flossing. <laughs> Keep an eye on my thinning hair. <laughs> wow. First thing on the list. Survive Y2K. Um. Invite Gary to church. Nope, didn't happen. It's a little hard to <laughs> invite a guy
2: you had to fire. Stock up on water and tons of Twinkies. Boy, the struggle was real. Teach Susie to sit, stay, and roll over. Susie's my little sister. Get a George Clooney Caesar haircut to impress the ladies.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Binge watch lost. Did it. Found out who was in the hatch. Bit of a letdown. Love my mom more, be kind to her, and stop rolling my eyes. She was the first helicopter mom probably in the in the 80s. Move out of my parents' house. I'm gonna move it to this year's list. Work out, get less pudgy. That's a big fat no. Pun, pun intended. Hey mom. I got you on speakerphone Oh oh my
2: gosh Hey 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 Be as awesome a mommy As my mommy was to me If only I would know How difficult that would be She pretty much Raised us by herself So I don't think I I can be near as good as she was he promised to grandma to watch
0: Matlock each week, then call her to discuss it. She loved that show.
2: I didn't I didn't see one episode. I missed every episode. Miss her.
0: Invite Steve to church. He went with me. Uh, that night he said he wanted to nothing to do with God. Three years later, I get this call. It's like midnight, one in the morning. He calls me and says, Ed, 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 you're never gonna believe this. But I accepted Christ. It's pretty cool.
2: Tell Dahlia how much I really love her.
0: Be a better dad.
2: Quit yelling.
0: I'm still working on that one. Read the Bible more. I think I read the Bible more. Start taking my faith seriously. I have done this. It's scary, but I'm. Yeah, I'm doing this one.
2: Get to know God better. I know one thing.
0: He loves me. Jesus loves me. I'm living proof. Surrender my life
1: to God. Fully. (sighs) Spend more time with God. That's been on... My resolution list,
2: for as long as I can remember, I've I've been a believer for
1: 40 years, and I always want to spend more time with Him. It's one of the most important things, and it's always one of the hardest things to just get done. You know.
2: Oh, I love Jesus more. Te amo, Jesús.
1: All right, so what could you restart? What could you change in your day so that you, if you look back on your life and you think about, okay, how have I spent my time? What have I done with my life? Uh, What have I done? What can you change? What can you do? Sometimes it's hard to get beyond your past. Number two, your past. Forget the past. That doesn't mean that you totally, like, the Bible's not saying that you forget everything that ever happened to you in the past, but you choose not to hold on to it. You choose to move on from it. Kind of like Joseph in the Old Testament. He was mistreated by his brothers, and he could have held on to that, but he didn't. Instead, he showed forgiveness, he moved on. He was mistreated, but he didn't sit there and say, oh, you don't know what I've been through, I can't do that. No, instead he trusted God, even though he had gone through hard things, and he pushed on, he forgot about the past, and he continued on, we need to work at forgetting the past. Those failures and shortcomings... And we need to make a difference. Sometimes we can use those failures and shortcomings as a reminder that we fell into that sin in the past and we don't want to do it again and there's no temptation that seized us except what's common to man. And God's faithful. He'll provide a way out. So if we come to the temptation again, we can look for a way out. Know there's a way out. Know we don't have to make that same mistake again. We can move forward. We need to be able to forgive Stuff from the past, Um, again, you might not be able to forget it, but you can choose to move forward and not let it hold you back. Paul is saying that he's forgetting the past and he's pressing forward, looking forward, uh, straining towards what's in the future for what's left. Sometimes you can use those hard things of the past to share with other people that are going through hard things and tell them how God has gotten you through. Tell them how God has forgiven you. Tell them how God has given you hope and encouraged you and helped you find healing and helped you even forgive that other person. We need to get beyond the difficulties of the past and the failures of the past, and sometimes it's so hard. Sometimes we look at what we did. Maybe no one even knows what we did, but we know we did it. And it was, you know, years and years and years ago, but all we can do is dwell on that and think about that and think about how messed up we are and how defective we are and how imperfect we are. But we're forgiven in Christ and we can move forward. We can ask the Lord to forgive us of whatever it is. If the Holy Spirit brings to mind some sin, you know, ask To be forgiven of that, Lord Jesus, I know I did that wrong. Please forgive me. Help me not to do it again and to move forward. Accept that forgiveness and move forward and try not to do it again. Try to avoid falling into that pit, that that trap, that whatever it is. Don't go that direction if you know you're going to fall into temptation. So forget your past. Move on from your past. Number three, your pursuits. Maybe you need a reset. On your pursuits. Paul writes, looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race. The Greeks used the pressing on or following after. The Greek word describes a hunter, eagerly pursuing his prey. Paul also talks about in athletics, being a champion, pursuing. So on one hand, you could say that I must do it all. I've got to do all these things for God. You know, God's counting on me to get it all done. And other people just sit back and they say, well, God's going to have to do it all because I can't do anything. And it has to be in the middle of you showing up and saying, I need to show up and God's got to show up and and make the big stuff, the good stuff happen, your pursuits. So there's all sorts of things that you can do to spend your time. But if you focus on doing some of the simple things, some of the the priorities in your life will make a huge difference. Like you want to read through your Bible. And it is a big Bible, and over a period of time, maybe you'll read through the whole thing. But maybe you just want to focus on reading through the New Testament, and instead of saying, "I'm going to read five chapters a day, maybe you just make a commitment to say, "When I get up in the morning, I'm going to spend 15 minutes a day in God's Word. I'm going to spend 15 minutes, and then sometimes that 15 minutes gets as you're really interested, gets longer. So your commitment was 15 minutes and then you find yourself a half an hour, 45 minutes. But your commitment is to repeatedly show up, making a habit to spend time in God's Word, spend time praying. Sometimes you can stack these things too. So you can listen to the Bible while you're driving to work. Some of you have really long commutes. You can listen to audiobooks that help you to grow in the Christian life. You can walk and exercise and pray at the same time. Sometimes you can listen to audiobooks and Bible stuff too. But you can stack stuff. You can... Work and pray. Sometimes, you know, praying is, you know, praying for people in need and being proactive in prayer and your relationship with God allows you to continue praying throughout the day. Was Stephen Curtis Chapman had a song that said, just because you say the words, amen, doesn't mean the conversation needs to end, so let us pray. But your pursuits, okay, so there might be other things that you're into that you do. So maybe it's fantasy football or something like that. And that can be good, but maybe you need to give up something to prioritize and pursue the more important things. So you can do all of these different things, but you've got to choose to do the most important things if you want to have the correct results, the right results. You know, if you want to share your faith with lost people, you've got to find some lost people to get around, to be around. So that can be tough sometimes. The church people are all focused on being around church people, and they're like, I want to share my faith, but I don't know any non-Christians. So... You need to do all that you can to pray and look for opportunity and be pursuing the right things, looking forward to what lies ahead, press on to reach the end of the race, to know that you have spent your life doing what God has called you to do and to focus on that. You know, in the Olympics, people specialize in things, you know. So like when the Summer Olympics come along, you don't see the guy that's, the discus, the guy that throws the discus or the shot put. You know, they're not supposed to be running around the track doing sprints, going over the hurdles to train. That's not their deal. They focus on throwing the discus or their, their shot put and that stuff. And the sprinters sprint. They do, do a ton of long distance running uh, all the time when they're practicing. So they focus on certain things. And in your life, if you want to be a champion, you need to focus on certain things. You need to focus on the things that God has called you to do and focus on doing those things well for His glory. He's called you to worship Him. He's called you to evangelize and to keep learning and keep loving, It's like that live life well thing there, your pursuits. Maybe you need to reset your pursuits and get rid of some stuff, quit doing some stuff. It's not the best use of your time. It's a good thing, but it's not the best thing. Think about that. What is it that you need to reset on your pursuits? And then think about your prize, receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Uh, Paul didn't describe exactly what that prize is. Uh, he talked about crowns. In those days, if you were like win the Olympics, you would get like a wreath that you would. It was a perishable wreath, but that's what you would win. You didn't even get a gold medal, but you were honored and recognized as the winner at that time. And. So your prize is you get to spend eternity with the Lord. Your prize is that He will make you perfect. Your prize is that you may have made a huge difference in the world for God's glory. Your prize is, is that God used you and it was part of the greatest adventure of your life. You look back on your life and you think to yourself, true living was when I was following Jesus and He allowed me to do this and He allowed me to do that. Your prize is having the Lord say, well done, good and faithful servant, when he analyzes your life, when he looks over your life. 1 John 3, 2 says, Dear friends, we are already God's children, but he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be like him, for we will see him as he really is. So <clears throat> the prize is being with Jesus, recognizing Jesus, Jesus and making a difference in the world so in first corinthians 9 22 paul writes when i am with those who are weak i share their weaknesses for i want to bring the weak to christ yes i try to find common ground with everyone doing everything i can to save some i do everything to spread the good news the gospel and share in its blessings don't you realize that in a race everyone runs but only one person gets the prize so run to win all athletes are disciplined in their training they do it to win a prize that will fade away but we do it for an eternal prize So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. So Paul is saying that we've got to live life on purpose, that we've got to pursue our relationship with Christ and others on purpose, that we need to come alongside others with weak people to share in their weakness, to show them sympathy and encouragement, and love. And he says, I discipline my body like an athlete. So we need to be self disciplined in our spiritual pursuits and in the way that we grow in the Christian life, training it to do what it should. Being disqualified, I don't think that means that you lose your salvation, but I think what it means for him is that if he were to fall into sin, who's going to listen to his message? He's writing these people, he's pre- preaching Christ, he's going to talk to the ruler of the world about Christ. And if Paul were to fall into sin or be a hypocrite, then he might be disqualified from that opportunity that he has. And we need to be wary of that. So we're out of time, but I want to show you one resource. I, wanted to, I want to continue to give you resources. So a new, maybe not a new phenomenon, but uh, yeah, a pretty new phenomenon, I guess, with all this technology stuff, is that when you hand out invite cards, some people don't want the card. They want to take a picture of the card and put it on their phone. They don't wanna carry anything away. I've actually done that sometimes with business cards. So now we've got the New Believer New Testament Bibles and some people want those, but other people want an app. They're like, well, do you have an app? I just wanna carry it on my phone. There's a million apps, but I wanna show you one that's free. It actually comes from the Gideons in Canada and it's the New Life Bible app and you can get it for free and share it for free. It's got a full downloadable Bible And a ton of question and answer things and a complete plan of salvation and a lot of the things you'd see in the New Believers New Testament that we give away, but it's in a free app and I'm going to show it to you and we put a link on the website and then we'll pray and be done. So, app.newlife.bible. So, here's the video clip.
2: Questions. They are what send us into the deepest parts of our planet, our universe, And ourselves. We spend our lives searching everywhere. Anywhere to find answers. We strive to answer the unanswerable. The big questions. The ones that really matter. Everyone is searching for purpose, meaning, identity. We're all looking for the answer to the ultimate question. Why? When the worst happens... ...when we reach the top... ...when we say goodbye... ...when everything stops... ...and we are quiet... We wonder if there is more to life... ...if there's a higher purpose... ...we search until we want to give up... ...don't stop... ...keep searching for answers... ...we all ask life's big questions... Download the free New Life app today.
1: All right, so that's a free app that you can share with people that you can send them a link to that can help them as they question things. You can use the resources. Uh, It is, like I said, free, and I've been using it for a while, and it works really good, and it is a great app. Um, Next week, we're going to talk about our abundant supply in Christ. So what I want you to take away from this is that your life is limited, your time is limited, you're in a spiritual battle, and there's all sorts of distractions in your life. And you have to figure out what the priorities are supposed to be and what Christ wants you to accomplish with your life, and you need to pursue that. You need to maybe look at your schedule and say, how am I going to accomplish the things God wants me to accomplish? How am I going to rearrange my time? Or what am I going to give up to focus more on Christ? Or what relationship am I going to establish to meet more lost people so I can lead them to Christ? And how am I going to get past my past? How can I look beyond the things, of, the things that I've done that are wrong? I can ask God for forgiveness. I can ask other people to forgive me. But we need to reach a point where we say, on this day, I ask God to forgive me. It's in the past, and I'm moving on. And we need to look forward to the prize and look to the end of our life and think, okay, if I live my life this way, when my life is spent, I will be satisfied and God will be pleased. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help us to restart the things in our life that need to be restarted so that we can be winners, so that we can be victorious, so that we can make a difference, so that we can make a difference for eternity. Lord, we pray that our relationship would be marked not by duty, but by love, and not by fear, but by the opportunity that we have to proclaim your forgiveness and the relationship we have in you, that uh, it's not fear, but future, Lord, a great future with you. So help us to do this. Help us to be your, your workers for your kingdom and your evangelists. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.